0: Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys From Hollywood Podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network production. I'm Alan Evans,
2: And I'm Joey Santos. And this week we're talking to a great friend of mine, the one and only rebel heiress, Consuelo vanderbilt Costin.
0: Well, this will be fun. Consuelo is a singer, composer, songwriter, actress, spokesmodel, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and friend to us.
2: Yes, she is. And this week, we're going to talk about the new age of networking, which she'll explain to you
0: what that all means. Yeah, good. I was going to say she needs to explain it to me as well. (laughs) All right, well, let's grab a drink and dive in. So this week, Joey is back in Los Angeles, and I'm still in Costa Rica for one more day. And... I was going to broadcast from outside so you could hear the birds chirping and the lizards screaming and the monkeys howling, but just as we were getting ready to go, there was a torrential downpour, so I'm inside. Yeah, I'm inside too, and actually
2: it's about a 95 degree day here too, so... I'm not coming back then. Yeah, it's pretty hot, but we had a wonderful flight home. Uh, It was amazing, uh, very relaxing and smooth all the way in, but we didn't get home till about two o'clock in the morning, so... uh, yeah. Good night's sleep. Got up early this morning and I hit the ground running back in L.A., back with my clients, back to work. I haven't stopped for one second today until now. And that uh, feels good. Feels good
0: to be home. Well, I did the pool this morning. I mean, I actually I am sad to be leaving. It was so beautiful this morning. I took a swim. I had the music on. I worked outside by the pool all day. I watched Rex and his new wife. They actually had a little argument today. Interestingly <laughs> enough, just before I came in here, he was chasing her out. And she ran across the lawn, and then when I got up to go over there, she ran back in the little cave with him. (laughs) They seem to be having a lizard, a lizard uh, squabble. Well, yeah, I was going
2: to say, just so our listeners know, you're talking about iguanas here, not a couple (laughs) that live next door. Oh, by the way, and uh, since they they are iguanas, (laughs) or under the hedge, since they are iguanas, how do you know that it's a girlfriend that Rex has? How do you know that Rex is Rex?
0: Well. I don't really. He's mm-hmm. larger. Really. He's almost twice as big as she is. And he's kind of gray and not as attractive. And she's sort of a bright green and about half the size. And then interestingly enough, about an hour ago, I saw a little lizard running around. And I thought, oh, did they already have little lizards already? Yeah, but that could
2: be that little lizard could be adopted. They could be two dads or they could be two moms. That could be an adopted... <laughs> They have lizard adoption agencies, don't they?
0: I'm going to withhold a comment I could make because I think I would have canceled if I was to make it. (laughs) Yeah, you might want to keep that one to yourself. (laughs) As funny as it is, you can't say anything these days. No,
2: you can't. But you can think it still. I'm thinking it. Big
0: time. I'm thinking it. Mm -hmm. I'll text you. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, text it to me.
0: (laughs) What is the cocktail of the week?
2: It is called The Socialite. And of course, I made it for our socialite friend. And uh, you will have the recipe here where you always get it on our website. And we'll we'll tell you all about it when uh, when she joins the conversation.
0: Well, I can't wait because I'm drinking the first one now. And then I'll drink another one when she gets on with us.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to not drink for a couple of days because I have to dry out since that's all we did every single day while we were on vacation. And those piña coladas you made, my God, I know I put on five pounds just with those alone.
0: I stopped making them after you left, even though I have all this rum. I know. I bought you a really nice, expensive bottle of rum before I left. I put it in I'm your freezer. Did you, you ha- I'm bringing it back oh, with okay, me. I'm bringing it back with Oh, okay. Good. Good. There's a lot of stuff here. There's tequila here. There's vodka here. There's two bottles of rum. There's a lot of stuff, but I can't have my suitcase jangling around with a bunch of bottles on the way home.
2: Well, what time do you fly tomorrow? <laughs>
0: In time to finish at least one bottle. Yeah, I
2: was going to see at least one bottle. I mean, it is kind of lonely up there.
0: I do not fly <laughs> until three o'clock in the afternoon. But I'm going to the Mangrove for lunch, I think, because I've got to kill some time. I have to get out of this house and kill some time. I thought I'd go have drinks and lunch at the El Mangrove on the beach.
2: Oh, is is that the gay bar there?
0: Very funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it sounds like an El Mangrove. I mean, tell me that doesn't sound like a little, a little like on my way to the airport. I'm oh, going to stop at El. Oh, you're mangrove. Oh, right! I didn't even think
0: about it. the mangrove. Yeah, hello.
2: <laughs> I'm going to stop at El Mangrove to say goodbye. Oh
0: God! Come on. Wow. You know, you were there. We were there for lunch. It's beautiful and it's outside. Oh yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but now that you mentioned that, I'm never I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head. <laughs> I know. No, Where there, is the mangrove? There, there was
2: nothing there. <laughs> There was nothing there no, Not one man, not one nothing Nope So Sally Charlie There was one of those kind of things that climb up the tree with a long tail I don't
0: know what it's called No, that was at the Four Seasons Oh, you're right, we saw it on the ground Yeah, what are those called? Yeah, we saw it Ugly (laughs) Oh, I didn't think it was ugly It's like a Did you see the face? It's like a giant raccoon with a long tail
2: Yeah, with a real long tail and an ugly face with a long nose and sharp teeth and cross eyes. It's not (laughs) cute. Well it sounds like what you'd see at the mangrove or El Mangrove. (laughs) (laughs) Not attractivo (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass on El Mangrove. Thank you very much. Oh,
0: my God.
2: So much for your lunch tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I may have to change locations now.
2: (laughs) I think so. Maybe go back to the four seasons.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would if it wasn't so far. Yeah, Yeah, true. Okay. Explain this um, theme to me, Joey, the new age of networking.
2: Well, you know, it's kind of new to me, too. The only thing that I do know about it is it's sort of an online—well, um, she'll explain it. I mean, that's the best, because I, I don't want to do it a disservice, because what what is very interesting, and it's a— a sort of a new concept in, in socializing and in of the, the way that it's bringing back the exclusivity which we've lost in most places and things that we used to do like clubs and and social events and all that stuff have become rather anti-social so she found a way to to make it a little bit more exclusive and to bring some of that social aspect back into our socializing right but uh, she'll tell you all about that it's quite interesting and she's a person she's a She's the perfect person
0: to um, introduce. It's it, in actually. person versus online, right? Correct, but but I think the
2: whole setup of all of these events, and it's a great way of n- number one networking, and it's a great way of socializing, right? You know, and it's a, a private, invited only sort of concept, which is also very unique and interesting. So let's let her tell us about it, all and right. this way we can also have the cocktail and a few other things we can talk
0: about with her, and we get to see her beautiful, beautiful face. All I can say is I'm never going back to in-person meetings if I can help it. No, I mean, I love not having to drive to the Valley and stuff for meetings. You know, all that time wasted. I, I, I prefer my Zoom meeting over a personal meeting any day, unless they're, you know, we're going out to a nice lunch. Why bother? I don't want to go drive, you know, for an hour to sit in someone's office. Oh, you meant that type of meeting. Yeah, I suppose so.
2: Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's what this whole year has done. A lot of people don't even want to go back to work you know, let alone go back to their offices or, or that sort of thing. They've yeah. gotten very uh, comfortable doing it from home. And, you know, it saves a lot of money, too. And, you know, whatever works, as long as you're getting the job done, I guess that's good enough.
0: No, it's great for everybody except for the person who owns the retail office space. <laughs> and They're all yeah, dying sure. because every other storefront is empty.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I prefer in person, but I'm old-fashioned that way. I'm like a mom, a new mom. I want to count the fingers, count the toes, make sure my child is healthy. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: (laughs) Mm-hmm. Clearly your mother let it slip by. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. I'm a beautiful, I was a beautiful child. Beautiful child.
0: We'll underline the was. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Guess what we have this week? What? An audience question. No. Someone wrote us? We have skipped it for so many weeks, and they've been building up into this long, long list. And okay. we've decided we need to insert at least one question today so that people are not mad. Is it for you or for me? Uh, well, both. Both of us? It's for me. Okay, good. Because you, really ha- you don't really work in an office. No, I don't. I never really have. So I guess you can ask the question. Okay, I will. Oh, I guess it's for both of us, actually, now that it's been put in front of me. I guess it could apply to both.
2: All right. Well, then why don't you read the question and answer it first, and then I'll read it, and then I'll answer it second. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It says, how do you manage to balance work while you're not in an office? Well, that's very easy to answer since I'm in Costa Rica for a month. I haven't been in an office for over a year. And I'm working harder and more than I ever do. I don't really need an office. You know, I think it has to do with the person. And I'm very work-motivated, as you know. And my work ethic is strong. So I don't have to be in an office to know that I need to get my work done. So it's easy for me to balance. I set the time aside. I go in. I do have an office. It's just it happens to be in my house. So I go in there. And, you know, while we were here, as you know, I set up my office outside by the pool when it was nice. And when it wasn't, I moved inside and took over the dining room table so nobody could eat. But, uh, you know, I create a little office wherever I am. That's your answer. <laughs> yes. Is it not a <laughs> <Okay>. good one?
2: <laughs> no, it, it's very well, it's it's it kind of almost mirrors mine because, in, in fact, I don't have an office. You know, my clients are are varied, but, you know, what I do doesn't require an office. But I think the mentality of an office is what it requires. There has to be structure, you know, and I think as long as you can maintain that for yourself, set an alarm, set set a a, set up a break time, set, set all those things, get up, get out, get dressed, even if you're leaving just your room. So I don't know if we need a place to go to, but the job has to require the structure that an office would have. So kind of like you, we set those examples for ourselves and we meet them. So kind of if that answers a question, great.
0: Well, as my staff knows, my office hours were very weird anyways, because what I would do is I'd take calls and do things at home. And then when there seemed to be a place where I could take a break, I would jump in the shower and rush to the office in that hour and then continue. Now it's much easier because when I, When I feel like it or I feel like, oh, I need to stand up and stretch, then I just walk into the next room and jump in the shower and then return or I walk the dog or I do whatever it is to take a break. It actually, for me, works much better because I take the breaks when I feel like I need to take the break rather than being structured that I have to get to an office at a certain time and I got to drive and I got to do this and I got to do that. It's all right there.
2: I think that's kind of a great way. And I think with this, after what we've been through with this pandemic and everybody having to stay home and, and structure their lives a little differently, I think a lot of people have managed to do that for themselves quite well and enjoy it. I don't know how happy the boss is, but I know that most people I know that have started rebuilding their careers and, and structuring their careers, restructuring their careers, are really happy people now. It almost has more of a European effect than it used to.
0: Yeah, well, we need an office environment a little bit. I mean, it's great for me, but it's not great for everybody. We We kind of need to be together at some point. It's just easier to... Oh,
2: like your, like your assistants and people that work with you?
0: Yeah, and my colleagues and whatnot. It's just easier to be in the same space and to be able to hand a paper to someone or, or you know, work on something together than to have to pick up the phone or get on the Zoom or do whatever it is. It's just nice to be able to turn to them and say, you know, do yeah. you know where this is? Or let's talk about this. Or it just, it's a little more efficient to have us all in the same space. Yeah, no, because I've spoken to them and, and they're kind of glad that you're not in the office. <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> they'll be able to thank you because now I'm going to force them back for eight hour days. They're going to have to sit right next to me. Eight
2: hours. Oh, my God. That, that, that you just did a cut. <laughs> don't they usually look like 12 or 14?
0: Yes, but I don't want people to know that. All right, never mind. Somebody might oh, come yes. after me. Uh-huh. But they'll be able to thank you. and I'll say, well, Joey did that. So go get him. And you will sit right there Uh until it is 7.30 at night. (laughs) Yes, 7.35.
2: Anyway, so shall we uh, keep on? Yes. Or would you like to invite our guest? No,
0: I think when we shall take a break here, and when we come back, we will have the lovely and talented Consuelo join us. So we're back. With Consuelo, but I'm going to let you introduce her because you've known her a while. I only met her recently, although I ended up taking her home. But oh, don't tell her husband that. That's
2: fast.
1: Alan, that was very nice of you.
0: She's even complimentary very. about it. That's yeah. even better. Chivalry
2: is not dead. It's been in <laughs> a coma for many years, but it's not dead. Welcome, Consuelo vanderbilt Costin. <laughs> we met, actually, a few years ago. I think through Montgomery Frazier,
1: right? We did.
2: Yep. Here in Los Angeles was our first encounter with each other when you were hosting the um, uh, Soho Muse event.
1: Exactly. In
2: Beverly Hills. So it's got to be, is it two years now or three?
1: No, it's actually only been one year.
2: No. So it was just before?
1: It was just before COVID. Wow. We had our event in New York and then we flew to LA pre to the Oscars and then literally went to London and that's when COVID started.
2: Wow. You see how we lose the track of all time with that? I
1: know. But it feels like you and I have known each other for years.
2: Yeah, it does. It does, really. And we made up for it. I mean, in, in the year that even even in this whole epidemic thing, we managed to stay in touch and <clears throat> and develop our friendship. And then this, of course, this last trip to New York that Alan joined me and um, we really we really bonded. That was fun. a correct. It,
1: yeah, it was. It was so, so much absolute. fun.
2: Well, you know, as you know or don't know, we we do a specialty cocktail for our guests each week. And so I know you're off your sugar for a minute. And you like a vodka soda, but it's kind of a boring drink. But I made one, and I named it the Social Light, (laughs) L-I-T-E. So extra lime juice. (laughs) Clever. Extra fresh lime juice, a lot of ice. And I use uh, San Pellegrino and then, of course, Kettle One Vodka. But what
0: I was going to suggest to you, I'm going to take uh-huh. a sip first. Let's see if it's any good before we start naming Cheers. things after you.
1: I'm really jealous. Is this, this is kind of one of those things where you're sipping <laughs> <laughs> and doing this, and I'm sitting here watching you wanting to be drinking this drink. Right. This right. Is Wait right. till we start eating. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till oh I cook something. Is, oh, my God. <laughs> so
2: there are these little, there are these, um, Suzanne De Pass actually turned us on to these things. They're these little packets, and they're uh, called skinny. And they come in all different fruit flavors, like berry, lemon, lime, orange, cherry, grape, you know, whatever. And there's a powder, and they're only just these little tubes like this, and then you could drop it into your drink, stir it around, and it has no sugar in it. But it gives you a flavor and a fizz, and it makes the drink a little bit more exciting. So if this is a little bit dull, you can carry those in your purse, and when you go out for cocktails, you can just, boop, drop it into your into whatever your vodka soda or whatever you're having that doesn't have any sugar and you feel like wow festive and you get the sweet yeah. taste that you're going to miss from just no sugar vodka no soda. taste all of yep. those things and these help. So that'll be our cocktail from now on wherever in New York we're going to order the social light.
0: So all right. You've already brought this up, I'm going to bring it up further. You have a middle name which isn't really a middle name, it's a last name. You have two last names. Consuelo Vanderbilt Koston. And you know everybody asks us, what is the Vanderbilt part? And I did a little digging myself because I'm a curious person to find out where in the Vanderbilt, the very massive Vanderbilt tree, One Lies. And your eighth generation.
1: Seventh generation.
0: Seventh generation.
1: Yes. Well,
0: I guess I'm just pushing right along to your kids.
1: Exactly. No, thank you. Perfect, yes. And it's so big, and the tree is so long that, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, it's a large really? tree. It's a... <laughs> you might tell me what forest that long, big tree is in.
1: <laughs> People have been asking me for way too long, honey. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Sorry, I have a very dirty sense of humor. <laughs> oh,
2: hello, have we met? Hi.
1: Exactly, hey.
0: <laughs> it's not an easy family tree. No. After looking at it. And of course, what's even confusing, you know, like those, those prestigious families do, they rename everybody the same name. Yes. So you have a grandmother or a great grandmother that was also named Consuelo or was she a Consuela? I can't remember.
1: So my great grandmother was Consuelo Vanderbilt, who I was named after. And my great great aunt, who was the Duchess of Marlborough, she was the original Consuelo.
0: Oh, so there's three, just to really confuse things.
1: Just to really confuse. Well, because Cornelius wanted to keep everyone in the family. Cousins marrying cousins. I mean, this is, this is one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me because I, I love stories. So I was invited to our national uh, planting day. And that was at the Cornelius graveyard, um, which is beautiful. It's a mausoleum. And it just became a New York monument. And so we're in his mausoleum, and you're looking at his wives and the children and everyone in the mausoleum. And there was probably about 75 people there at the time. And everyone leaves, and I'm there with the tour guide. And the tour guide comes up to me, and again, I've never met this man in my life, and he said, y- you know you can never be buried in the mausoleum. And I said, excuse me, do, do I look like I'm asking that I want to be buried in this mausoleum? <laughs> because you married outside of the family. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Ah, mm, so sorry, I didn't marry my cousin. That's just, a very right. yeah. <laughs> like, mm, incest. Yes, thank God I, you know. But like, I do want you to meet <laughs> my daughter. She's the one with the five
0: eyes over there. No fingers yes.
1: and four hands. It's looking really <laughs> good.
0: <laughs> she doesn't talk a lot either. <laughs> Well, that was a very royal thing to do at that time is you try to, well, they also didn't want their money, you know, going off to people who didn't deserve it.
1: Well, and he tried to keep everything in the family to 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 carry on the legacy. How about that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to
0: say it.
1: Thank you. Being very politically correct. <laughs> correct. <Yeah. laughs> yes. Yes.
0: So you're a seventh generation. I'm just going back to this. So you're seventh yes. generation. Yes. Your great-grandmother was Consuelo also. And she was married to...
1: So she was... My great-grandmother was actually married five times. Her Uh first husband... Well, you know, you
0: couldn't do things unless you got married. She wanted to do a lot of things. And there
1: was a lot of arranged marriages during that time too, which is amazing. But she was married to my great-grandfather, who was... His name was Earl T. Smith. He was about six foot three this very, very lanky. I mean, I only met him probably four or five times in my life, but I really, he was a very distinguished man. And uh, he actually was the ambassador to Cuba during the Bay of Pigs. And so he had an incredible legacy and I actually became the mayor of Palm Beach. And and I used to sing in front of him and he's like, She's got a great set of pipes. <laughs> that was the, that was the one thing that I remember that was just this very uh just sweet and kind of profound and wonderful thing. As my mother was dying, hiding underneath the table, like please, please don't sing, please don't embarrass me, please God. Please, please, please don't. So yeah.
0: And you do have a beautiful voice.
1: Thank you very much. So We're gonna do you, go my there friend. In a minute. Thank you.
0: So, my last legacy question. Yes. Then we can move on and we'll leave the Vanderbilts behind. <laughs> we'll leave them in the mausoleum. Wow. <laughs> is I was just curious that then when I was looking things up, they kept uh, distinguishing that you were a maternal descendant as opposed to just a descendant. Why is there a distinction?
1: Oh, honestly, no one's actually ever said that before. So, I don't know. I mean, it was on my mom's side, so I guess that's that makes sense. You know, it's it's yeah. fascinating the things that people pull up, right? It's the same thing as, you know, I was named the rebel heiress. I hate the word heiress. It actually makes my skin crawl. But I do love the word rebel because I've never kind of gone in the grain ever. Like, I'm, I've kind of paved my own way, for sure, which I think is a very common trait of Vanderbilt women, actually, I have to say. Mm-hmm. And so... Put the two words together, and I'm okay with that. Keep the words separate, and I'm just—it's cringing. I can't. i just
0: <laughs> <laughs> Most heirs or heiresses really get annoyed if they're called that when they didn't inherit anything.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> we, we don't need to go there. Yeah, no, no one's talking about that. You can just, mm, yeah, nice try. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not landing into that pit. No, no, okay. thank you so much. That's sweet. So sweet of you. Yeah.
0: Okay. No, no. All right, we can check that one off as a fail.
1: <laughs> There's an integrity conversation. Thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you did take me home, you know.
0: I know. But I, I didn't feel it was appropriate to ask you the questions then.
1: Well, I mean, you know.
0: What a better time. Why did you get that? Well, we can move on. Why did you get the nickname Rebel Eras?
1: Well, so no one in my family has ever been in music, right? So for me to embark into a career and the type of career that I've had in music definitely was completely outside of the box. So I would say Gloria and I are probably on par as the two people that really went against what, you know, this is definitely not my mother's path nor my grandmother's path. Um, but, you know, I, I've always loved music and it was something inside my soul. And so making that decision and, you know, I've been told a thousand times, are, are you sure? I mean, don't you just want to be doing like Debbie Tompott? And I'm like, no, no, not. Man. It's,
2: I can't do it. It's just not me. So well, when the, art, when the artistic part is in your blood, it's hard to deny it. And that was Gloria had that, too. And she was very talented in her. And her artistic endeavors
1: she was very talented and you know it was very important to me as a musician to always actually be known as my own name so we never used the Vanderbilt name if you look at any of my CDs and any of my singles it's always either Consuelo or Consuelo Caustin I never used it because I really it was very important to me especially as a songwriter uh, I built my my life on my own and I I worked very hard to do that and um, and I'm and I'm really proud of that. So yeah. not to say that I didn't use it afterwards in branding and every, everything else, right? But as far as music and making my own name, that was very important to me. Yeah. So
2: And you don't deny your birthright anyway. I mean, there's still a part of your legacy that you're proud no. of and, and you know, but having the integrity to go, go after your own things and on your own on your own merit, that's that's what I love. So cheers yeah. to Thank that. You.
1: Cheers also, to that. I want to cheers can I fake <laughs> cheers? Here, Here cheers. cheers. We should my- have sent you a pre drink. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. But I also suspect
0: that things have changed a little bit. I mean, listen, high school kids can't name who the vice president of the United States is, so I'll bet you they can't tell you at all who Cornelius Vanderbilt was. Is it Cornelius or Cor? Yeah. Is it Cornelius? Cornelius. Yeah. Yeah. The name probably loses more with each generation because the new generations are like, who the hell is that? Right.
1: You know, I think it depends on where we are in the world, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly.
1: And I think yeah, it does. In, in Europe, yes, Completely it's still different. renowned. In New York, it's very renowned, right? It, right. And, it, and it depends, obviously, like, you know, I, where we've been working, too. So, for instance, like, I've done a lot of work in L.A. I've done a lot of work in New York. I've, you know, it's, it's it, it, again, it's, your, it, it's people are now familiar with the newer generations. And you're right. They may not represent who is Cornelius. They may not know that that's Grand Central. Do you know what I mean? So they may not right. know that. But I really hope that we can always maintain and keep that legacy alive. Because moving back to New York, I wanna tell you, I have never been so proud. I just, it's like, my God, how entrepreneurial. I mean, he started with a hundred dollars that he asked his mother, that he built a boat, and then create an entire shipping industry. And I mean, just so, it, it, I mean, for can you imagine in the early part of the 19th century. I mean, it's just extraordinary.
0: No, well, those are the builders of America. I mean, this is major American history that people should know. They should. My drink's getting low, so we'll be right back.
1: So I was in history class once, right? And, and the history teacher didn't know who I was. I mean. And so he starts to talk about the Vanderbilts, And he's like, they are the most disgusting family. They are the worst fa- I mean, Cornelius was a monster and thing. And I'm sitting there for literally an hour listening to this man on a crazy rant, right? And so I took him outside and I said, and I was 16 and a half, 17 at the time. And I said, you are the most deplorable, disgusting human being. How could you do this? Do you have any idea who I am?
2: <laughs> Good for <laughs> you. Like,
1: hey, and he's like this.
2: Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) He must have been a rock. He's like, I'm just speaking my truth. Backpedal, backpedal. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
2: (laughs) I love when people step in their own shit, you know, to that.
1: Right? Oh, God.
2: Let's talk about Soho Muse. Let's talk about that. How did you come up with that and and what's, uh, what's behind it for you?
1: So I used to come home from the studio late at night and I wanted to see what a world would be if a painter, a writer, an actor, a designer, could all come together in real time and collaborate and connect. And that was kind of the birth of Soho Muse. And then literally while I was on tour, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this many times too, that whether a makeup artist or a hairstylist or a dancer or a management has to go to 15 different agencies, we're like, oh my God, how do you find your vetted, trusted creatives that you're looking for? And so this constant thread kept coming up and I was like, if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen. And so I finished my last tour four years ago and my business partner and I who had come up and kind of created this together, I took over the company and it's just been an absolute roller coaster ever since. And I'm just so proud of the amazing creatives we have, the job opportunities that have been created. The projects that are being built, whether it's fashion shows, music videos, uh, feature films, and we help to really either, you know, concierge brands come to us looking for talent or talent internally that's looking to work in projects. We help to facilitate that. And now we're starting to produce a lot of content. So we have a whole distribution platform too. So it's a a real 360. I kind of look at and emulate what Disney did. And I'm like, that's the strength. That's the power that I really want Soho Muse to have. So...
0: Let's talk about that some more, because Joey and I had this problem. It was an immense problem for us on our last two guys from Hollywood world tour. And
1: <laughs> I love
0: you. Oh, my
1: God. Wow. Uh, the dripping. Uh, I could So we that. will need help. We will need help
0: with the next oh one. My but explain, oh, my explain God. explain further what it is.
1: So if you can imagine kind of the LinkedIn for creatives and the only reason I say that is because LinkedIn is the only, uh, let's say working platform, social media site. So what we do, it's, it's a kind of 360 model. So we provide personalized websites, both for, you know, our artists, right. Both public and private. We provide a personalized concierge service that, as I said, brands looking for talent, talent internally booking each other. And then, um, and then we have a distribution side. So we're producing a lot of content—a voice series, a save series. We have IP to films. we so it's it's really this beautiful 360 model about helping talent find jobs, procuring jobs, helping to navigate projects and work with them. And we just started our younger tier called Sohomie's World. So, you know, I really started to talk at like FIT and and these institutions and learning what young people are really doing with it. its TikTok and Instagram. But they don't really know how to build their creative brands right so we're starting a muse masterclass which is amazing so our main network is able to facilitate and do these incredible classes and we provide internships and job opportunities for young kids so it's really if let's say we find the next justin bieber and help them all the way through what a gift
0: do you find them or do you, does young talent find you both absolutely both. both so we're working with universities now
1: like ucla the EEI. I mean, we're just, we're really moving in that direction to really help them and nurture them now. So it's, it's exciting and it feels really good. Listen,
0: I'm all for the mentor program. My whole business was because I had a mentor, a mentor who cared and taught me everything and then, you know, left me his business basically. Wow. So I'm, you know, I'm all about the mentor. That's extraordinary. And I think it's not only for
2: children. I think as, as, as people, we need mentors. We have to find people that, influence us and inspire us and, you know, we just, we don't take the time to get to know those people anymore. I, I mean, I, I had great parents and a great family and I was able to learn a lot of my lessons through that, but outside of that, my chosen world brought so many people that were older, that were distinguished, that had things to say and teach. And, and I and I was a sponge. I wanted to learn it all and listen to it all. People have no interest these days. So it's great that we can start developing that for people to see that they have other things to look forward to and, and find a new direction and actually a new way of thinking. You know, that's the most important thing and people just don't invest
1: they do, they don't and if you think about kids going to it was amazing i was on a panel uh probably about 6 weeks ago and literally you know you had the dean of usc and ucla and and so many of the kids were asking questions like how do i get my short film funded do i go to film festivals right the knowledge of the kind of the the nuts and bolts how do i how do i actually make it what do i do from here and honestly they they did it's it's not like they didn't want to know, they just, they didn't really have the answers to help to guide them. And it's like, we need that process. We need to know what do you do, right? What are the pitfalls? What do you not do? What, right? So that you can actually really help to shape and change. So as I'm coming out of film school or I'm entertaining it. I want to know that those job opportunities or, or internship opportunities are there for me. Right? So it doesn't all seem so far fetched and so far away.
0: Yeah, no, it's important. Listen, you know, there's the internet now, which helps a lot. But, you know, when I was growing up, my parents knew nothing of the film and TV industry or publishing or any of that. It was completely out of their sphere. So they couldn't really help me. I was on my own. And, you know, you sort of feel your way through college and try to to gravitate towards other people who have similar interests. And then you try to find your way into people that are already in the business. But that's a slow process.
2: It is. Yeah, and it's and it's a scary process too, because you know you're it's you're blindly going into things. You know, there was a time where people would find you know in in Hollywood and and in in our business and that um, you had agents and producers and stuff that would take care of you and would guide you and would mold your career and push it into the place that it would need to be. And so, being able to guide them through that process, I think it's I think it's wonderful. And being able to create that, kudos to you. So thank you. Congrats. I wish you all the success. So um, this is an an only online thing, huh?
1: Well, no, actually, we're building, which is so amazing, pre to the pandemic, just like you came to one of our So amuse events. We're absolutely building the world, both online and offline. But how you reach it
2: and everything is... And you have to be invited to join, correct? You do,
1: yes. And that's really important because for us, the vetting process, you know, in our main tier... It's very important. and, And also, like, look, right now... And, you know, Facebook did very well during its time. And it started out with the right model of going to the universities and people felt safe. Now, people don't feel safe with their data, with their content, where they're pushing things. And honestly, just like how you and I met, right? It's it's everything about yeah. building your trusted network, right? And in life, you want yeah. that. And especially with dealing with young kids, I want to be able to, you know, when I'm talking to the deans of these universities and their parents, that they know that they're in a really safe, cocooned and environment so we vet mm-hmm. everyone that's on the site and we police it and we yeah. have attorney i mean it's it's really it's that's a, a very important component for us
2: yeah that's extremely responsible i love that thank you i really do thank you so much yeah well thank you for doing that so
1: soho muse hey hey
2: Just soho muse yeah are
1: you feeling soho Bo- oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> boho I,
2: soho. I have to
1: like entertain myself as you two are drinking and i'm like you know going myself on coffee come on now
2: <laughs> I know. I mean, we should switch. I
1: mean seriously.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tell you. You know, when you started this conversation about the, you remember back in the day, or hearing about in the twenties and thirties, and where they, they they would have the, it was called a salon, uh-huh. where all sorts of people would get creatives would get together, and then they would talk about poetry, talk about life, talk about music, say, you know, all the artists would, I love that too. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of how, is that where this idea came from originally from that sort of? Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: In Hollywood, they got accused of talking about communism. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we're I hoping, still even we're, you know we're not
1: trying to do that.
0: <laughs> yes, no, but no, that we're but not. But they were, but but people were known. Were known there were certain that. people and actors and actresses that were known for having these groups gather. Yes. And they were all sort of creative types, from yeah. literature to actors to whatever it was that all would get together, and they would create some really interesting things out of it, whether yeah. it be a movie idea or you know something else. Yep. And talk politically and all of that yeah. stuff.
2: But, you know, everybody was so uptight back then anyway. You, God forbid you even mention something or, you know.
0: Well, sort of like today. <laughs> like, oh, yeah,
2: everything old is new again.
1: But don't we find yeah. that there's what I love and what I find fascinating about what COVID has done. Creatives that never thought in a million years that they could venture into a creative field have started embarking on that. And then creatives actually, who've, who've always been creative, stopped being creative because they couldn't anymore it's like it's been a very very interesting um just i think eye-opener on what can be done now uh new possibilities online you know art sales have gone up exponentially millennials who are now buying art and investing into art i mean it is so fascinating what uh the entire kind of let's say um manifestation of what COVID has done. You know, look, I think it's created unbelievable values for us in simplifying the people you care about, your family, your friends, right? Just being yeah, solid. I agree. Um, and I think, as I said, there's these extraordinary areas and pockets that people could have never imagined were happening that's really, we're on, we're on a, I love this word trajectory, but we really are. We're on a whole new path.
0: Where do you think that art interest came from during the pandemic? I've always collected art, but again, because my mentor collected art. And a lot of the art that he had, this was Irving Lazar, in his house had been given to him. By clients, by people he knew, who then later in life became quite famous artists. And so suddenly that was given something that was given to him as a gift is now worth, you know, six hundred thousand dollars in his house right and And I started collecting art when I went to Russia for the first time before Glasnost, and I bought these three paintings. And Jackie Collins's husband, who' was a big art dealer, saw these things. Irving said, "You've got to see these paintings that Alan brought back." And he looked at him and he said, my God, those are fantastic. And he slapped a $40,000 price tag on something that I paid $800 for. And so I sort of had this eye. But where do you think the pandemic created their interest in art?
1: I think that because sadly for so many art galleries that had to shut down, which is just such a tragedy, I think that things pivoted obviously to online. Online art sales went up exponentially. And then you have a new audience of these millennials who honestly are much more about investing into social impact and awareness and also nurturing new talent. So they started actually buying into new artists and supporting them, which I think is going to be exceptional. I mean, if I was to tell you that in the next 30 years, millennials are taking over... Uh, and generating over 30 trillion dollars it's insane yeah. Well, yeah. that's
2: good for andrew because you know he's an artist and he has been busy 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 he's fantastic he's doing so murals. brilliant oh my god he's amazing he is i'm very proud of him he's down in newport now finishing up uh three murals that he just did. oh
1: well you sent him so. my ba- i just i love him he's such a I sweet will. i love I him
2: yeah he feels that way i about really you care too,
1: about so. him so yeah i think we're in such a new a new age for all of this right That again, I think this has opened itself up to you know, and also if we look now at real estate and art, right, and and actually how that's really becoming an entire new thing about how you can actually start to really showcase new artists and position that inside of homes. I mean, it's we're we're just we're we're in a very unique, as I said, unique time for this right now. So that's why I think this has opened itself up the way it has.
0: Well, and as you said, people gravitate towards new things. It doesn't the, the old disappears, but there's something new to replace it. And what I find interesting with the younger generation is they're finding interest pockets, yeah, and they're making them grow like crazy. And they get behind it, and they know everything about it. And you know it's things that their parents knew nothing about, but they it's become kind of a social club for them. It's true, and and art obviously being one of them. Yeah. So
2: true, and 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 if they can transfer that into that mentorship for the younger people too so it keeps going forward. You know what Paving I mean? Paving the way. Because that, you've got to pay it forward. you got you got to go back and...
1: You know, I was raised... I don't know if you know if we've ever even talked about this, but my I, I feel very blessed. I have two dads. My stepfather is... And I, again, I call him my, my dad. Is a very well-known film producer. And my father is a very well-known life coach. And the two of them are on the most opposite spectrums you could ever imagine.
2: <laughs> I bet. It's
1: like night and day, really. Like, <laughs> it's it's amazing. So um, I have lived and seen uh, totally, completely different worlds. Um, but my, wow. my stepfather, um, he raised me. So we moved to London when I was about six and a half.
0: And in what way are they different? Because they both seem like they're in... Uh, careers that would lean a little more artistic, yeah.
1: They just their their essence, just everything about them is completely different. I mean, if you put the two of them in in the same, they just you know, and they get along. It's not that they don't. It's just that they are really, absolutely, completely polar opposite. One's more quiet and private. The other one's very outlandish and is you know, crazy storyteller. I mean, it's just they're they're but they're both very gregarious men in their own right. But but yeah. so on the opposite spectrums of each other so it's yeah it's yeah it, it was it was really interesting as a kid navigating through the worlds of 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 them and 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 uh but i i was taught beautiful lessons by both i would say that
2: yeah that's amazing yeah i miss my dad every day it's Aww. funny how you you get to a certain time in your life and you you feel like an you know you're an orphan you know, your mom's your- god you, my dad died uh Five years ago, four years ago. Years four ago. Years ago? Oh, yeah. Joey, I'm sorry. Alan and I actually we uh we took his uh, ashes to Italy and we buried him there. We tossed it into the um, Adriatic Sea. Oh
1: my god. And we put it in a
2: we put it and we put it in a wine bottle with a note, and then we threw it into the into the sea. Yeah. So if anybody ever finds that, that's my dad.
1: That is that, so. We we'll get a
2: polluting ticket.
1: Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we sealed the bottle. Oh my God. <laughs> the bottle oh God. has been sealed. Oh my God. That's amazing.
2: Every t- every year when we go to Italy, we go to that spot, and there's always a curiosity where we look in the water and go, Do you see a bottle oh, floating? <laughs> look on the shore. It was in, in a the bay that
0: we boat in a lot. We're always, when we see a bottle in the water, we're like, Is that it? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> and this was four years, five years that's, ago. That's crazy.
1: amazing. I, I hope. Know that your dad and my mom are together having wine right now as we're talking. Oh,
2: I hope so just too.
1: please. They're having a little <laughs> Pinot grigio together or yes. they're drinking a little Merlot. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. 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 So and we're sweet. drinking
2: the vodka and you're drinking coffee. And here's Well, great. Here's to, to them all. Thank, Thank you for you. being with us. Thank we-
0: you. We're going to post a picture of you on our website along with the audio because everybody should see that not only are you intelligent and charming, but you're quite beautiful. articulate. Despite all that inbreeding with the family. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where do we find you on social media?
1: We can go to Consuelo underscore Vanderbilt Coston Soho Muse underscore Inc. It's so weird saying underscore. It's really bizarre. Uh, Soho Muse Marketplace
0: We'll underscore that for you. Please
1: do that. And So Homie's World, please follow all indications of my social media. I'll be here for you tomorrow. (laughs)
0: Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. Well, as promised, Consuelo delivered. She did deliver. Yeah. Very interesting person. Well, you know what's great about Consuelo? She's old school lovely. She's a very sweet person. She's fun to be around. She comes off with this great energy. She's a terrific person as a human being. Yeah, and she's articulate, smart, and uh,
2: gracious, and all those things that we've sort of, oh God, we haven't seen in quite some time in our society, I can tell you that. But it's so great to see that it still exists, and wow, yeah. Always a pleasure being around her.
0: We appreciate you joining us. And as always, we encourage you to rate, subscribe, and share our podcast with others. The sharing is very important. Not only are you doing a nice thing for us, you may be doing a nice thing for someone that you know who may like the podcast. But it's the only way people are going to know about it is if you share it, so please share it. And don't forget to follow us on social media. As you know, we post our recipes, the photos, the links from each episode, so you can go gawk at us.
2: And this week we may very possibly be back in the kitchen for another episode of Two Peas in a Podcast. So be sure and look out for that.
0: <laughs> you make it sound like a Twilight Zone episode. Two Peas in a Podcast. Uh,
2: in a Podcast. Maybe I'll make green cheese. Mm. Anyway, message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Email us with any questions, comments, love notes, <laughs> your favorite recipes, Anyway, Well, we're getting a lot of love notes. notes. I, I am contact... anyway. I do And our email is contact at
0: twoguysfromhollywood.com. We'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Evans and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Editing and post-production by Nathan Moody. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network.